2: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Family Secrets is a production of iHeartRadio. Lacey
3: Schwartz was born into a Jewish family who lived in Woodstock, New York. Her 2016 documentary, Little White Lie, begins with glimpses of home movies. Lacey as a young child surrounded by her family. This is in the late 1970s. Her mom is fair with big blue eyes. Her dad is dark-haired, intense-looking, brooding. Actually, her parents look kind of cool, hippie-ish, like a young James Taylor and Carly Simon. Which is appropriate, since this is Woodstock. And then there's Lacey. What the viewer notices instantly is that the child is black. But no one in her family seems to notice or take in this fact. I can't stress how obvious it would be to anyone looking at this family that there is no way little Lacey, a beautiful girl with caramel skin, dark eyes, kinky hair, and decidedly African-American features, is the daughter of her two very white parents. I mean, maybe she's the daughter of one of them, but both? Out of the question. Except this is a story in which what people wish to believe, will themselves to believe, becomes what they actually do believe the story of a family who raises their only child to believe that she is something other than who she is. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is Family Secrets. Secrets that are kept from us. Secrets we keep from others. And secrets we keep from ourselves. So, did you have... Any sense at all growing up that something didn't quite make sense?
4: Absolutely. I mean, I solely because of the way I looked from the time I was very, very young, I either have memories of being questioned about the way I look and why I looked the way I did because I didn't seem to like fit in with my family or the surroundings. I looked different than other people. And it also became almost like a little bit of family lore that, you know, the first vacation, at least I was aware that we went on as a family. We went to Puerto Rico. And as an infant, you know, people thought I was Puerto Rican. So it was always very clear that people thought I looked different from my parents.
3: I know something about growing up with a profound disconnect between who I was told I was and the truth that stared back at me in the mirror every day. A couple of years ago, as nothing more than a whim, I spit into a plastic vial and sent a DNA sample to one of those genetic testing companies. When I got my results, I found out that my dad wasn't my dad. Half of my family tree was lopped off at the roots. The person I thought I was was not the person I actually was, at least not biologically. At a time when I was in the midst of my freak out, a friend told me about Lacey's film, I watched, mesmerized, as a beaming black girl held the Torah on her bat mitzvah, her parents proudly looking on, as she read from the Haggadah at the Passover table with her family, as she laughed as a toddler on her mother's lap. My family knew who they were, and they defined who I was, the adult Lacey narrates. I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish family. On my father's side, It was a lineage that stretched back into the shtetls of Lithuania and Poland. My cousins all look unmistakably Jewish. In fact, some of them wear the black hats and long beards of Hasids. I grew up in a kosher home, spoke fluent Hebrew, and attended a yeshiva, a Jewish day school. And every day of my life, I was told that I didn't look Jewish. I was very fair and blue-eyed, but it wasn't just that I didn't look Jewish, it was that I did look like something else, like I came from another part of the world altogether. But in my family, we laughed off this strange genetic twist of fate that had me looking like Swiss miss wandering over from the Alps and into the dusty shtetl. It was a source of amusement and hilarity. I mean, when I was three years old, I was the child in the Kodak Christmas poster. Literally, I was the little girl wishing the entire world a Merry Christmas. As the end credits rolled in Lacey's film, I turned to my husband Michael. So, I said, the level of denial in her family was really extreme, not like what happened in mine. Michael paused and looked at me. Yeah, no, pretty much the same, he said.
4: There's all different kinds of secrets that families have, but a lot of times it's because people's existence is like stigmatized. People don't want to talk about having affairs. They don't want to talk about being infertile. They don't want to talk about the fact that maybe they got pregnant before a marriage. There's all different kinds of things that uh, people lie about.
3: Absolutely. And we're also living in a moment in time where a lot of those lies or very closely kept secrets are tumbling out because of the combination of the Internet and DNA testing where people find out all sorts of things that were meant to be kept secrets to the grave.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I have a bunch of friends who, through genetic testing, the kind of over-the-counter genetic testing, have found out that they are not their parents' child. There was within my family a, kind of the story that was told was that my father had a dark-skinned Sicilian grandfather who I had never met, had passed away by the time I was born, but by looking at family photos, that was who I looked like. It was darker, his features, etc. cetera. And with that, it was kind of this idea of, like, recessive gene. And that was a story that was repeated and kind of was passed on and would come up at various moments. So I would say that, you know, for me, I think it's really worth noting that in terms of my own timeline of denial, that my denial was very much learned. You know, it was something that was passed on to me.
3: Lacey grows up in a self-described bubble in Woodstock. Despite its fame, it's a small town, mostly white. No one really challenges her or her parents about what is glaringly obvious. But then, as bubbles do, hers begins to expand. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hi,
3: I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but,
4: like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age,
3: every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you
0: feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age.
4: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
5: This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: When Lacey enters middle school and then high school, she's bused to a much larger town. And it's then that she begins to get the questions and deep down to question herself. There's a moment in your film, if I recall it correctly, where there's a sense that the African-American kids in that school are looking at you like, you're one of us. (laughs) Like, what's up? That this isn't making, you know, like, we we recognize
4: you. Exactly. Part of that was understanding how, you know, I had come to convince myself to believe that I would still uh, kind of push back or rationalize against it. But I would say that probably around high school is when, kind of I stopped, Or maybe even middle school was when I realized that did I knew the truth but wasn't willing to admit it. And I think I went through most of my adolescence in that phase.
3: The phase Lacey is talking about here has been coined by the psychoanalyst Christopher Bolas as the unthought known. What we know deep down but cannot bring ourselves to think. Sometimes we spend our whole lives in the unthought known. And sometimes life intervenes and we're confronted with knowledge that we can no longer bury from ourselves. When Lacey is 16, her parents, who had been having issues, split up. This fissure in the foundation of her family is the first step in a fissure inside of Lacey. She can't articulate it, but she knows that something doesn't make sense. The fall of her senior year, when she applies to colleges, she leaves the box that would identify her ethnicity unchecked. Back in those days, I don't think colleges still do this. Lacey would have sent a photograph along with her application. So, Lacey is admitted to Georgetown as a black student. Do you remember anything about that moment? Was that a conscious choice? Was that a moment of "I really just don't even know what to put here"? Or you tell me, <laughs> like, you know, it almost feels like a challenge. Like, you tell me, who, who, who am I?
4: I spent a fair amount of time analyzing this and, and discussing it with the people that were close to me. But I think, in retrospect, that what I was, even if it was, as you said, the, the unknown truth, or what, what was it you said? What was that phrase?
3: The unsought known.
4: The unsought known. I and mean, that was really so my parents left when I was 16, my junior year in high school, right? So I was sending in my applications more or less that summer fall afterwards. At that point, I was really, my bubble was popped. And so I think deep down at that point, I did know the truth, but I was very much prioritizing the issues I was dealing with in my life. But at the same time, largely around my relationship with one person, a guy that I was dating at that time, who had already gone off to college, who he himself was also biracial black and had come from the same town as me and was just saying like, yo, it's one thing that you've been walking around in this relatively small community that we grew up in. And saying that you're white or, you know, identifying as such. But, you know, when you go out into the bigger world, like, people are going to laugh at you. Like, it doesn't add up. And so I was conscious enough to know at that point that there were things that weren't adding up. But I wasn't prepared to really do the deep dive at that point under my, you know, well, but still at that time, my parents' roof. I wasn't in the proximity of my parents ready to do that deep dive to figure out, like, well, then who am I? if I am not the daughter of both of my parents.
3: Lacey goes off to college and begins to try on her new identity, living in what she describes as a racial closet. She doesn't say a word to her mother. She doesn't say a word to her father. It isn't until she's been away from home for her entire freshman year that she broaches the subject with her mother for the first time.
4: So I went to my mother and was like, listen, I want to know the truth. Like, why do I look the way I did? And, my mother, as uh, she tends to kind of hemmed in hot, and it took a while, I me mean, pushing her for her to finally kind of sit down and really have the conversation about what had occurred around me being conceived and how likely it was that my father was not my biological father. So by the time I found out, and really fundamentally, again, it was more of a confirmation process than it was a revelatory process, because by the time I went to my mother and spoke to her, I was ready just to have the information confirmed so I could confirm my own identity and be able to figure out who I was.
3: Lacey's mother does not want to talk about it. At first, she denies it. But eventually, she tells Lacey the truth. Her mom had had a long affair with an African-American man named Rodney, a friend of the family that Lacey has known growing up and who Lacey resembles to such a point that friends have pointed it out.
4: And so kind of at that point, she shared the information and shared what a basic outline of the fact that she had had a relationship with my biological father and that there was a very good chance that I was his child. And for me, I mean, again, based on the fact that I really physically looked fairly similar to him, it seemed pretty obvious what the truth was.
3: Once Lacey has the truth of her identity confirmed, you'd think she'd pay her dad a visit, go talk to him. Lacey's mom tells her that the two of them have never discussed it.
4: My parents never talked about the truth. To this day, they haven't actually really full out had a conversation about the truth. For a long time, obviously, it was because of my mother. But now, at this point, my father has made it clear to her that he doesn't want to sit down and talk it out. That he just doesn't want to talk to her about it.
3: And they had never had a moment with each other when you were born or in your childhood. There wasn't that...
4: when. You- When he moved out, like, when they were pretty much in the process of him moving out, one one moment he said, you know, I know Lacey is not my biological child. And according to her, you know, she cried and cried and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But they didn't actually have a conversation. Like, that was the extent of the conversation.
3: How long after the hemming and hawing with your mother and then finally her admitting to you that it was possible, how long before you then ended up speaking with your father about it? A decade. A decade. We're going to pause for a moment.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah!
5: Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: You know, sometimes I wonder what I would have done if I had found out the truth about me and my dad while he was still alive. Now it's easy for me to wish I could talk to him, to wish I could ask him what he suspected or whether he flat out knew. And if he did know, whether it mattered. But would I have been able to sit my father down, look him in the eye, and have that moment of saying, I am not your biological daughter?
4: For me, I think it was really about living for a long time in fear that if I spoke the truth about my race, which was directly linked to my paternity, that I would be at risk of losing my father. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like my father was my father and I was scared of losing him. And it took me a while to come to accept that I actually only now realized that I probably was never really at risk of losing him. But I actually had to accept that I had to be willing to move forward regardless of the potential of losing him because I couldn't live my life under these secrets and be able to move forward with my life in a healthy manner. And then after I was, came to that realization and acceptance and actually did move forward, I came to realize that when I kind of set my own boundaries and owned my own truth that in fact, my father was fundamentally still going to be there. Like I literally thought that one or two things was going to happen. Either he and I were going to totally like sit down and work it all out, be on the same page, or we were going to have nothing to do with each other. And I didn't realize that there was a middle ground between those two, that we could actually have live our own separate realities, but still be in each other's lives, which is what in fact happened. But it also took me a while to really accept the fact that nobody except for me was going to actually bring up these conversations. That in and of itself was something I had to come to terms with. is like, why won't they whether well, it was my extended family or my father, while moving forward with having the conversation, but realizing that, you know, what this was my life, and I couldn't be a victim within my own life. And so if this was something I needed to do, I needed to take responsibility and do it.
3: The discovery of such a massive secret that was always hiding in plain sight is one thing. The work of metabolizing it is another. It isn't easy to digest a new truth about yourself that changes the very nature of your identity. And in Lacey's case, this is complicated by the fact that there's a politicized racial identification going on. She has to reconcile being black with a lifetime of believing she was white. She has to come to an understanding of what it means to be both black and Jewish. If you think about it, identity is usually something that we're born with and grow into. But what about when it isn't? So Lacey embarks on making her documentary, first thinking that she's going to explore dual identity, what she calls two iconic identities, being Black and being Jewish. But as she begins working on the film, she realizes that while it's a good idea, she doesn't quite know what the story is until she realizes that she and her family is the story. And one of the things I think is most interesting about this is that the art form Lacey chooses, film, is a visual, clear, direct medium One in which Lacey would be pointing the camera at her parents, who never, ever wanted to talk about this, and essentially push them to talk. Like, you didn't make an opera out of it, you didn't make a book out of it, you didn't make a play out of it, or a poem out of it, or a podcast out of it. You made a film. It's like, in a way, what it feels like to me is you were saying, I'm going to pin this down as much as it can be pinned down. Because it wasn't pinned down for all of those years
4: it really is like a coming out process. Mm -hmm. You know, I had literally lived in a racial closet where I was out and about in my world and kind of, you know, identifying a certain way and I would come home and I would whitewash my existence and I would tell friends, you know, remember my, we don't talk about me being black at home. And for me, it just, I had to live it and therefore capturing the living of it just made sense to me just to go through it and just hold myself accountable to really not only living through it, but then actually going back and processing it. And this just felt like the way that made the most sense. feel was I was really living out of experience and doing a documentary was really capturing what was happening in real time at that
3: moment. Right, and also it, it gives you permission and forces you in a certain way to ask the tough questions, to go there, to keep your mother in the chair, to have that conversation, to have that conversation with your father, um, which no other art form would afford you.
4: Until I uncovered my family secrets, I was never going to learn to live with my dual identity being Black and Jewish, and I was never going to be able to internally integrate my identities until I was willing to go through the process of moving past my family secrets.
3: I suppose at its core, this is a story about the extraordinary capacity that we human beings have to believe what we want to believe, to bury our own secrets even from ourselves, and at the same time, the capacity we also have to shed those secrets, to move past them and become wholly ourselves. You now have five-year-old twins? Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So in your family life, how does being Black and Jewish play into the way that you think about raising your kids and dual identity? And is this kind of an ongoing story in a way for you, part of what you think about as a mom, as having kids of your own now?
4: Totally. I mean, I think I'm, in certain ways, I think I'm very typical, which is that, like, I identify as being Jewish. I've always practiced in my own way my whole life. But now I'm figuring out what that means for my family and my husband, who was raised in the Baptist church. We are raising the kids Jewish, but we're figuring out what that means. You know, my husband is not Jewish, but also to know who they are and every piece of it. I mean, I think that for us, the thing that helps is that our worlds are not divided in that space. Like my in-laws even express, you know, interest in coming to synagogue. We go to church with them on on some of the big holidays. I, mean, I think that you know we want our kids to know who they are completely and totally, but we're still figuring it out. I mean, I think everybody is figuring it out. Previously, when I wasn't like kind of speaking my truth and owning it and I hadn't had the conversation with my family, I lived with a lot of anxiety about things being revealed. and You can see some of those moments within the film and the tension that I was living with. And I don't live with that anymore. That is actually gone from my life. That, that anxiety has been relieved. And so there is a very physical difference in terms of how I live my life now and how I was living it before. Like the apprehension and anxiety around this secret being would be able to talk about or reference is now gone. And I feel that physical difference.
3: I'd like to thank my guest, Lacey Schwartz, for sharing her story with us today. You can find out more about her documentary at littlewhiteliethefilm.com. Family Secrets is an iHeartMedia production. Dylan Fagan is the supervising producer. Andrew Howard and Tristan McNeil are the audio engineers. And Julie Douglas is the executive producer. If you have a family secret you'd like to share, you can get in touch with us at, at familysecretspodcast.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at Danny Writer and Facebook at Family Secrets Pod and Twitter at FamSecretsPod. That's FamSecretsPod. For more about my book Inheritance, visit dannyshapiro.com.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah.
0: any disease.